Uh, I am excited about uh, a guest speaker that we have to be with here with us this morning, uh, Rod Sharp. Rod was instrumental in me coming to salvation at age six. He, uh, this is his 50th year of ministry, and it's amazing. Rod's been doing one thing all that time, which is preaching and teaching the Word of God, which is timeless uh, and is ever-enduring in its importance and the living nature of God's Word. Uh, Rod and his wife Amy are precious servants of the Lord, and they have a similar heart to our church in a love for foster care and adoption. Rod and Amy have had 73 foster children uh, be through their house over the many years of taking care of and watching over foster children. They have adopted children of their own. Their children have adopted children, um, and many people have come to salvation through Rod's ministry, myself being one of those. And so I'm thankful to have him here with us this morning, and I hope that you will give him your attention. Rod. Well, thank you, and good morning. I um, must admit, I need my phone to tell me what time it is. <laughs> Thank you. I must admit that I'm somewhat surprised to be here this morning. First of all, surprised that uh, what God is doing in your lives, surprised what, where uh, <laughs> the Lord has led Vic. I knew him as a little whippersnapper. <laughs> um the second surprise is that I am here this morning. Um, Vic hasn't heard me preach in probably 30 years. Apparently, he doesn't know that old preachers never die. They just ramble on and on and on and on. Allow me to ramble with you this morning. Would you turn with me, if you have your Bible, to the book of Joshua and chapter 14? I want us to look this morning at a man for all seasons. I'm encouraged to see all age groups here this morning, the very young, the young adults, the teenagers, the middle-agers, and some who are not so young. We're all here this morning, and it uh, makes me feel very much at home. This is the kind of, uh, kind of group that I, I, I love to be with. But as we look at the life of this man, a man for all seasons, this man whose name is Caleb, I think we'll see some important lessons that will help us in our lives and particularly in our course of discipleship and following the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 6 of the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your feet has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years, since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as, as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great and fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenesite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now and just briefly ask that your hand might be upon us as we have our Bibles open in front of us. We pray that these open Bibles might be mar mac uh, matched by open hearts, uh, open minds, willing and ready to receive what your word might be for us today. We pray that we might get beyond hearing simply the voice of a preacher, but that we might hear the voice of God. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you probably figured out, I'm a southerner. <laughs> Born and raised in the south of Scotland, in the hill country down uh, close to the English border. The border counties are what that area is known as. I, uh, part of my schooling was in the city of Edinburgh, our capital city. And uh, there was one place in Edinburgh that is quite a tourist attraction, and it is a statue of a little terrier dog on top of a marble column, affectionately known as Greyfriars Bobby. Now, the story, uh, part legend, I think, probably, and part truth, is that... Uh, there was a shepherd out in the hills around Edinburgh, and he passed away. And according to the story, his little terrier do dog uh, followed the funeral procession all the way down to the city of Edinburgh. He was buried in the graveyard, the cemetery, outside the old Greyfriars Church. And um, for 14 years, this little terrier dog, Bobby, stayed by his master's grave taken care of by the caretaker uh, of, of, of the graveyard, faithful until death. That was Caleb. I came across a book a good number of years ago. Uh, both the contents and the title impressed me quite a bit. A book by Eugene Peterson entitled, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That was Caleb. See, we have three snapshots of Caleb in the Old Testament, or if you will, three video clips. First of all, we see him as a young man. Then we see him in his middle years, and then we see him in his later years. 
Now, the thing that strikes me about Caleb as I read his story is two phrases that are used to describe him. One you'll find in the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers, and it says this, that Caleb had a different spirit or another spirit. And then secondly, a phrase that we've repeated several times in our reading this morning from chapter 14 of the book of Joshua, that Caleb wholly followed the Lord his God. I want you to underscore in your mind that word, follow, follow, follow. Because that is what Christian discipleship is all about. It's a case of following the Lord. Not merely his teachings, but following the truth that he embodied. And I think you'll agree with me. We come from different backgrounds. But there's plenty of churches out there that preach the gospel And they encourage people to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. We would affirm that. But you know what? They seem to get stuck at first base. As soon as they've come to Christ, we've done our work. Now now you go out and win others for Christ and bring them here. And we want to see as many people coming to the Savior. And and we affirm that. But, But that's only the beginning The Christian life is one of following, one of discipleship, one of continuing. Let's not get stuck early on in our Christian lives, but let's move forward. The story, I'm reminded of a story when uh, I read somewhere about a, a mom who was taking her little girl to bed, and um, she put her down to sleep, and uh, A while later, there was a terrible clatter upstairs, and she went up, and, what happened, dear? She's laying on the floor. She said, Mommy, I fell asleep too near where I got in. And I think that that would describe many who claim to be Christians. They fall asleep too near where they got in. They haven't made progress. They haven't moved forward. Uh, Following is something foreign to their thinking. So we want to try and trace this man's life, Caleb's life, a man for all seasons, by looking at him, first of all, in his early days, then his middle years, then in his later years. And I think we'll discover that in Caleb's life, at each stage of his life, there were what we might call hindrances to his discipleship, hindrances to his following. So the first video clip we get of Caleb is in Numbers chapter 13. And you know the story. Some of you sung about it in Sunday school. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad. Two were good. Uh, Probably not morally bad, but they were bad that they, they didn't follow through in what God had told them to do. What happened? Twelve men went in to the land of Cain, the land of promise. The backstory is simple. The people of Israel had been freed from their slavery in Egypt. They were on their way to the land flowing with milk and honey. They got to the border at Kadesh Barnea, and they were ready to go in, and they sent this elite group of 12 men, a kind of reconnaissance force, if you will, to check out the land. Was it truly a land flowing with milk and honey? Was it truly everything that was meant to be? What are the cities like? 
Are, are they just like scattered communities or are, are, are they fortified cities? What are the people like? Uh, what, what is the produce like of, of, of the land? And so these men went in and then they came out again after, after 40 days. And they brought their report. In fact, they brought two reports. There was the majority report and there was the minority report. And the majority said, you know what? The land's nice, but there's no way that we can compete with those giants. No way we can take those giants. No way that we can occupy this land. But two came out and they said, you know what? <laughs> yes, there are giants there, but surely... If God has told us that we can take this land, why are we waiting? But the ten, as we read, made the hearts of the people melt. But Caleb, we're told, had a different spirit, another spirit. The Bible talks about us having not the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Uh, th th that's been our message, has it not, over the last year and a half? The people all around us, d d don't fear what's happening in our world. Find your strength in the Lord. It's a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. You didn't get overwhelmed by these things as so many are. The Bible tells us that those who do not obey, the, do not follow the Lord Jesus, um, uh, follow the course of this age, and the spirit of disobedience. Well, Caleb and Joshua, his friend, they wanted to obey what God had said. And God has said, every part of the land that your feet tread upon will be yours. Just go in and take it. But... The, minority, the majority report said what? We can't do it. Let's not even think about it. And the people were discouraged, and eventually it took them how long? Another 40 years to get into the land. I see this as a matter of perspective. Perspective is a way of looking at things. Uh, some of you young people go to your art class and they teach you how to build perspective into your, your drawing, your painting. Very simple. If you want something to be at the front of your drawing, you make it big, right? If you want something to be at the back of your canvas, you make it small. And uh, I remember, you know, doing things like telephone poles, going off into the distance, and that's that perspective. And, and that was the problem with these 10 people. They saw great big giants, and their God was tiny. Caleb and his friend Joshua, they saw a great big God, and the giants faded into insignificance. So what was the problem with Caleb? The problem of discipleship in Caleb's younger years? He was on his own, or almost. He was in the minority. Just him and his buddy Joshua. Sad. They were the voice of God, but the people didn't want to hear it. But let's move forward a little, and let's realize that God 
always seems to work with the minority, not the masses. Ask Gideon. He had an army of 26,000, 32,000 men. And God said, you know what? If you're going to fight against the Midianites, we're going to have to look at the numbers. Yeah, I agree, Lord. Cut them down, Gideon. What? Took them on a prolonged march. And eventually, he cut them down to 10,000. Lord, how, is, how, how, how about 10,000? You know, I, I don't think 10,000 is going to cut it. Cut them down again. And he ended up with 300 men. Wow. But 300 men plus God was the majority. And, 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 and they fought against the Midianites and, and, and won the battle. And, and, and we need to remember that. I'm thinking especially of you kids in school. And you discover that nobody else thinks the way I do. I listen to their language. I listen, watch their lifestyle. I see where they're headed. And, you know, it seems like I'm on my own. Well, remember this. One with, one with God is the majority. Stick, stick, with, stick with the Lord and, and keep following. Even although you might be in the minority in, in your early days. But let's look at this second stage, the middle years. When we broke into this passage this morning, we discovered that the people were already in the land. It had taken them probably five years or, or so to, to, to get into the land. And uh, the land is being allocated to the various tribes of Israel. On this particular day, it's the time that the tribe of Joshua would get their allocation of the land. Um, Caleb was a member of that tribe. And as the allocation is being given out, Caleb breaks rank and he steps up to Joshua, who is now the commander-in-chief, and he says, Joshua, I've come to claim my mountain. Give me this mountain. Give me this hill country. Joshua didn't have to say, excuse me? Joshua knew exactly what he was talking about. Forty-five years earlier, they'd come out of the land. And I can imagine... Caleb and Joshua together, probably at the back, and the ten together, probably at the front, ready to get out of this land where there are giants. And Caleb nudges Joshua. I say, hey, Josh, look, look, look at that mountain there. Isn't that beautiful? Boy, would, wouldn't that be a great place to retire? Yeah. You know what? One, one day we're going to be in the land. I, I'm going to check with God. I'm going to check with Moses. And, and Caleb actually asked Moses if it would be okay for him to have that mountain. <laughs> what, what a daring thing to say. What a daring thing to ask. But he was a man of faith. A man who knew the will and the ways of God because he was following God. Had from his earliest days. And that was affirmed. 45 years later, all he's doing is claiming what God has promised to him. You know, I think many times, if we don't see the answers to our prayers in 45 minutes, we give up. But, you know, 
God gives us a, a, a vision of something. We don't know exactly what. We don't know all the details, but we feel that this is where God is leading us, and we are following. Sometimes it takes a while for us to figure out where God is leading us. I imagine that the seeds of Redeemer Bible Church were very small. Years ago, almost an impossibility. But look at what God has done in just a few short years. Look at what God is doing. And as we continue to follow, let's envision what, what God is planning to do. We're not the only church out there. But we're a significant church because look how this church is growing. You count it your own church. And I hope some of you will come to count this as your own church. And these as your own people seeking to serve God in a totally secular world. But there's no time for God. We need to claim what God has promised to us. See, the problem of these middle years was for 45 years, nothing was happening. <laughs> 45 years. But Caleb kept this hope bright. He kept this promise as a reality that drove him forward and kept him on track. I don't doubt that during those 45 years, Caleb and Joshua stuck together. In fact, do you know the fact <laughs> that out of all of those people that came out of Egypt, maybe as many as a couple of million people, only two of them, at least of those who were over 40 years of age, or 20 years of age, only two of them got into the promised land. Who? Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them perished in the wilderness, marked by unbelief because they didn't believe that God was going to do what he had promised to his people. And I trust that this church will not be a church of unbelief, but a church of strong belief, motivated by people of strong faith who are following the Lord God, who are following close behind the Lord Jesus. I think one of the uh, greatest examples of how uh, how this kind of works out in practical terms is the story of Peter, the disciple, um, disciple Peter, um, the apostle Peter, I guess, at that time. Uh, Herod had just beheaded James, and they took Peter, imprisoned him, and tomorrow it was going to be his turn. And Peter's lying fast asleep, sleeping like a baby in Herod's prison. Why? Because he knew that God had another plan, a greater plan for him. Sometime earlier, Peter had heard the Lord Jesus say to him, Peter, when you're an old man, they're going to take you and lead you away where you may not want to go. And Peter figures out, hold on a minute. If the Lord says, I'm going to live to be an old man, nothing Herod can do to stop that. And miraculously, an angel appeared, opened the prison doors, 
and Peter's out, a free man. He was a follower of the Lord Jesus too, wasn't he? He was a disciple, and he trusted what God had said. Now, you're going to discover in your own personal life and in the ministry of Redeemer Bible Church, there's going to be times that, you know, you wonder what God is doing. You want, nothing seems to be happening. At, at least the fulfillment of what you saw as a, a vision of what the future held uh, just doesn't seem to be coming. All of us go through dry periods in our life, some, some, sometimes the tremendous struggles that we're tempted to just throw in the towel and give up. But you know what? Hang on to the Lord. Keep following. And he'll lead, he'll lead you where, where he wants you to go, where he wants you to be. And you'll, you'll find yourself right in that place at the right time when God is ready to do something in you and with you and through you and those around you, hopefully. So in the early years, the problem of discipleship, the problem of following for Caleb on his own. But he kept following. In the middle years, what was the problem? <laughs> Nothing's happening. But he kept following. So what about the later years? Well, he's 85 now. And his claim is what? I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me into the land 45 years ago. Wow. Hmm. I don't know many 85-year-olds that are as strong as they were in their 40s. They don't have the energy. Many of, some of them have the drive that they had 40-some years ago, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Caleb claims, I'm a strong, I'm ready for anything. Now give me this mountain. And so he received this mountain, Hebron. He had to take it. The Anakim giants were there, but that was no problem. He knew that God was on his side. He was on God's side. So, you know, he went, took the giants and settled into his mountain home. I kind of visualize him as um, building a log cabin. Cranks up his old chainsaw or the ancient equivalent thereof. And uh, he builds this ni nice cabin with a, a, a deck out the front and uh, a couple of loungers. And, uh, you know, give the old man a, 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 you know, credit for all the hard work he's done. Uh, it, it, it's, it's after lunchtime, and he settles in, and he, he, he nods off, all right? Grant him that. And as he stretches and gets up to get on with his day's work, he looks out in the distance, and he said, in the mists, he sees another, another mountain. He said, what mountain is that? You'll find all about this in chapter 15 of, of the book of Joshua. What mountain is that? Well, that's Kerjath Zephyr. Hmm, interesting. Because our mountain, Hebron, was her Kerjath Arba before we moved here. 
So who's taken that mountain in the name of the Lord? Well, nobody. Why ever not? There are giants there. Giants? Since when were giants a problem? We need, we need to take that mountain. Now, the problem of getting older, and one, of course, is that your physical energy is, uh, is, is depleted. The, the, the second problem, however, and, and I see this often in more traditional churches, if I can put it that way, that the old guard won't quit. <laughs> I mean, we've been here since the first brick was built here. I, 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 I was raised in this church. And, and, and these young people, they, they, they don't know much about these things. And, 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 and that music that they sing, and uh, you know, uh, we need to hold on to the traditions. Hmm? Some of you seem to know what I'm talking about. Not Caleb. See, Caleb recognized that you needed to bring along the next generation. I don't know who mentored Caleb, but I suspect Moses had a part in it until the Lord took him home. Uh, and I'm almost sure that Joshua was a continual encouragement to him, encouraging his friend Caleb to keep going in spite of the fact that he was on his, they were on their own, in spite of the fact that nothing was happening? I, I, I think the, the, the mentoring of Joshua by Moses in the book of Exodus and, and, and beyond uh, is, is a tremendous example of how a, a, an older person took a younger person and uh, took them along with them to show them the ropes, to... to to, to give them some hands-on training, on-the-job training. And Joshua was well-equipped by the time Moses stepped out of the picture and he was elevated to commander-in-chief of, of the people of, of Israel. So Caleb, I think, must have had a good idea of how important it was to encourage the next generation. So what does he do? He throws out an incentive. He says, look, there's a mountain there, needs to be taken. I'll tell you what, any young man who would go and take that mountain, I will give him my daughter, Axa, for his wife. And a young fellow said, oh, Neil, yeah, 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 I, 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 I'll, I'll take the job. Now, maybe it was the challenge of the job. Maybe it was the girl, although if the old man's 85, I have no idea how old the girl might be. But, <laughs> but anyway, off Neil goes uh, he takes the mountain, Kirjath Zephyr, and there are wedding bells in Hebron. And the young couple are united in marriage. Caleb, true to form, generous man that he was, gives them a piece of property for a wedding present. Now, why he didn't get the mountain, I don't know. Maybe the mountain was uh, for the whole, the whole tribe. I, I don't know. But anyway, a piece of property was given to them, probably down the hill from the heights of Mount Hebron. 
And when they moved onto the piece of property, they discovered that there was no irrigation there. And so Aksa, the girl, says to her husband, uh, Othniel, um, hey, let, let, let me talk to my dad. Dad, thank you so much. That was so generous, this beautiful piece of property you've given to us. Uh, but uh, did you know there's no irrigation there? And we read that Caleb gave them the upper and the lower springs. Generous to a fault. This is a principle there. When God blesses you, you can be and you should be a blessing to others. When God provides for you, you can help provide for others. When God encourages you, you can encourage others. And so everyone lived happily ever after. Fast forward. Joshua judges. When God needs somebody to bring his people back in focus to the things that God is planning for them, who might be available? And we know who the first judge was? Othniel. Where did he get his encouragement? From his father-in-law, Caleb. So that's the principle, you see. We look at the next generation of Christians. It might not be the next generation physically, but the next generation of people who have come to the Lord. And because the Lord has helped us to follow and He's matured us and we're on track for the Lord. We can help the next group. That's how a church grows. That's how the church grows. I hope you're an encourager. Because it seems to me like you've been greatly encouraged by your contact with this fellowship of believers here. One last thing. Who actually was this man, Caleb. He's described as what? Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who was a Kenizzite. Now, the Kenizzites were not Jewish people. They were distant cousins, if you will. So by birth, Caleb had no rights in Israel or in the inheritance of the promised land. But apparently he had married a girl from Judah and had been brought into the family of Israel through marriage. And when you think about it, he inherited more than any of the other of his contemporaries because he got that mountain, he got that hill country, what a wonderful story of someone who's following, 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 following faithfully to death. The Hebrew name for Caleb, Caleb, or Kalev, is very similar to the word for dog, Kelev, all right? And uh, I think maybe there's probably no uh, confusion as to why he was given that name, because like Greyfriars Bobby, Caleb was faithful unto the very end of his life. We've no idea what happened after that. As I say, only three shot, uh, snapshots, only, only three video clips in his early years on his own, but he kept following. In his middle years, <laughs> nothing happening, but he kept following. In his later years, 
Yes, he could have taken that mountain, but he recognized that he wasn't going to be around forever, and the work of God must go on. How does it go on with the next generation and the next generation and the next generation? I don't know where you are. Some of you have never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You've not even got to that first stage, that first base. Faith comes before following. And our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus is more than simply a mental understanding of Jesus who came, who died, who rose again, but a personal appropriation of that into our lives by receiving him as Savior, by acknowledging that he died for us as sinners, we recognize that we've got a, a glorious life ahead of us here and, and ultimately there. God takes his servants home, but it, the work goes on. What is your place? I have no idea. What is your ability? What are the gifts that God has given you? What are the spiritual gifts that God has given you? Use them. Develop them. If you don't know what they are, ask somebody else. What do you think my gift is? I was a young guy fresh out of college, and a couple places I preached, and two different men said to me, you know, you've got a gift of teaching. I do. So I took that seriously. I began to utilize it, began to develop it. I don't know what your gift might be. Look at those gifts. Figure out where you feel comfortable in serving the Lord. You need to find out what, discover your gift. You need to um, develop your gift, and you need to deploy it. And that was, it, that what, it's what makes for a great church, a great fellowship of believers, where there's something happening at every level, in every life, as we move forward to wholly follow the Lord, our God. So hang on to the Lord Jesus, because he's hanging on to you. He will hold us fast. We, we can't hold on strongly enough, but he's promised to hold us fast. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful once again for the opportunity to open your word and glean from its truth something that might feed us, sustain us, and direct us in our lives today and in our lives tomorrow. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing here at Redeemer, and we thank you for, for what you're doing in our individual lives. We pray you'll encourage us, not only today, but every day, and help us to be encouragers of others as we seek to guide them and lead them in the ways of God, that they might become faithful followers until the very end of our time here in this life. Bless us then, we pray, and uh, just make our lives useful for you today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.